Um, I was up north at Huntsville, and they're getting winter before us. But uh, I was at a pastor's conference. That's about the only thing I would miss this for. But uh, it is good to be here with you. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But uh, I am far from perfect. I struggle with a lot of things, not the least of which is pride. And my name is Ron. Well, we got a good group here tonight, good-looking group. I, uh, I'll try not to be too long, and then we're going to celebrate communion at the end of this little teaching. Um, congratulations, we made it through another 25 lessons. We're at lesson number 25 of 25. That means next week is something special, and then we start again, I believe. We're going to start with uh, number one. We never finish recovery, amen? Yeah, because we can fall back in our old ways if we don't remember uh, where we've come from and keep going forward. So tonight we're going to talk about the seven reasons why we get stuck. They're not the only seven reasons, but they are, uh, they're, 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 they're usually what happens. Can we go to the next slide? I want to look at this picture. So um, Janet sent me these slides a few days ago to put into the slide deck. And I'm looking at that and I thought, you know, that is me sometimes. I'm going the wrong direction, I'm wearing the wrong clothes, I'm not the same size as everybody else, and it's not working. And it shouldn't be that way. I got stuck in that picture. That's me stuck, I'm going the wrong direction. And tonight we're going to talk about why that happens and how we can avoid that. So there are many reasons, but I want to talk about seven. The first one, I'm going to jump right in, no preamble tonight, we're going to get right into it. The first reason that you might be stuck because you've not completely worked the previous principles, the previous steps. Perhaps you're trying to move through too quickly. I don't blame you for wanting to recover quickly. We all want to, don't we? But sometimes when we rush, we make mistakes. So I say to you, slow down. Give God time to do work in your life. Moving forward isn't always the next step you need. Anyone ever heard of something called the, the five stages of grief? Yeah, and, we, and a lot of us, if not all of us, have been through them. Dr. Kubler-Ross kind of put all that together. And I remember learning about this many years ago. And one of the things about the five stages of grief is sometimes you're moving through the stages and you're, 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 you're upset, then you're angry, then you start bargaining, and then you go back to being angry. We don't want to do that in recovery. In recovery, we want to... Work the steps from step one, step out of denial, know you can't do it by yourself, to step 12, I've arrived, I'm going to be really careful not to fall, but I'm going to help my brothers and my sisters. So sometimes we fall back because we think we need to go faster, but this, this is a program that is of a progress. It's steps that we have to do. It's like putting a puzzle together. We have to do them in order, in order to be complete. It's not a race to see who finishes first. Galatians, I'm going to have a lot of scripture for you tonight because scripture is what guides us in, in not only our recovery, but it should be in all of our relationships, in all of our daily activities. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's important if we're going to... We've said early on in our recovery, I need a higher power, right? Would you agree? And we here, we identify that higher power as Jesus Christ, working through the Holy Spirit. So when we do that, we can't run ahead. We can't run off. We have to stay where the Spirit is taking us. 
Take your time with each principle. Work it to the best of your ability. And I don't need to give you another plug, but I will anyway. A step study is a fantastic way to really work the steps. And I know it's, uh, it's already started, but just put that away for if you haven't been able to do one for when you have time to do one. I think most of you know my story. I didn't think I needed a step study. I didn't. Why would I need a step study? I'm a pastor here at the church. I've been married a long time. Everything is good. And then Janet and Jonathan, six years ago, or a little more than six years ago, because we were prepping for months before we launched, they said, we're going to do a step study. I go, great. And you need to attend. <clears throat> Excuse me? <laughs> you're you're our, our overseeing pastor. You need to know what this is like. Okay, I'll go and watch. You ever gone to something you think you're just going to watch and you get involved I got involved and I worked through that step study and I discovered a lot of stuff about myself that I didn't know and I like to believe it's for the better that I've I've strengthened actually my good friend Richard here came in late tonight and sat down beside me but one of his testimonies from about five years ago or four years ago when you gave your testimony was 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 life-changing for me I never told you that but when you shared that night you were on a who was here anybody remember he was on a chair and he was very relaxed, and he was talking, and the Holy Spirit applied Richard's words and applied them to my heart and made a big difference in how I see a certain number of things. Two, the second thing, maybe you have not completely surrendered your will in your life to the Lord. I think this is one of the real reasons why we fail. You see, there's two parts to surrendering your life to Jesus. The first part is really easy. Jesus, I can't do this. I need you. Will you come into my life? Will you be Lord of my life? Will you lead me? That's step one, and that's pretty easy. Step two, following him. When he tells you, make that change. He tells you, drop that friend. He tells you, sign up for this activity. He tells you, do a step study. When he tells you things, that's a lot harder. And a lot of times we go, yes, Jesus, I want you. Wow, what better deal is there in life? I don't pay anything. My sins are forgiven. He comes into my life. He redeems me. Hallelujah. That's the easy part. Not for him. He went to the cross for us. We're going to remember that later tonight. But for us, it's easy. For us, the hard part is saying no when we need to say no and saying yes when we need to say yes. A lot of times we don't do that. We don't follow through. Maybe you follow through with the big things, but there's a few little things that you just tucked away and said, nope, Lord, you don't get these. These are mine. Give you everything else. Give you 97% of everything. But I'm not giving you this. You'll fail. I can speak from experience. You'll fail. Melissa's agreeing with me. You will fail. You will fail. You have to give everything over to him. There's a great proverb. You've heard it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight or he will direct your path, something, something like that. Who's heard that before? Who thinks about it on a daily basis? Awesome, awesome. Because this is the kind of thing you think on that will keep you out of trouble. Go to the next slide if you would. Trust in the Lord. Trust, trust. Yeah, but I, I can't trust. Trust is broken. Let's rebuild it. You see, you put your trust in another human being, even me, I will let you down. You put your trust in God, he will never let you down. Never. So we have to rebuild our trust to him. 
Not, not a horizontal trust, a vertical trust. How much do I trust him? 97%. No, with all your heart. Ron, do you know what you're asking me to do? Yes, I do, because I've done it. I was about 30 years old, 29 years old when I did it. Because I went from about 16 to 29 with the 97%. And it didn't work. I couldn't figure out why. I go to church, hang out with church people. For the most part, I'm pretty good. I had, I've had no bad, really bad, bad addictions or anything. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you. I still needed recovery. I still needed redemption. So I got to trust him, and I got to trust him with everything. Lean not on your own understanding. Yeah, but I'm smart. I have a couple diplomas hanging on my wall. People paid me a lot of money over the years for my work. Doesn't matter how smart you are, you'll never, you'll never be as smart as what the Holy Spirit will tell you. Can you imagine people go, how much, don't tell me, don't tell me, but I was going to say, how much is a shrink these days? I went to one in 2017. I think I paid $190 an hour. Probably going to be now about $240, You'll go and pay somebody $250 an hour to give you advice not anywhere near as good as what God will give you for free. But you'll trust that counselor or that psychologist or that psychiatrist or that doctor or that parent or that friend. You'll trust them more than you trust God. This is why we fail. This is why we slip back in our recovery. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, I do most of them in all your ways. Doctor, did you get the cancer? Got most of it. Right? Would you be happy? No. You got to excise all the cancer out. You got to excise everything out of your life that God says you don't need in your life. By the way, this isn't about addictions. This, it includes addictions. It's about hurts, habits, hang-ups, afflictions. The dad that never loved you. The spouse that cheated on you. The child that said things that they can never take back. You having a loved one die before you could say you were sorry. A loved one killed in an automobile accident. A loved one who took their own life. I mean, I mean, we're talking about real life here. That's why we need to trust him with all our heart, not our own brain. In all our ways, what do we do? Acknowledge him. Oh. It should say, and every Sunday and Monday night, acknowledge him. Right? We go to church. See, you've got to start acknowledging him in the small stuff. In the small stuff, in everything. Since I've got older, I've become more aware of my shortness of life. When I was 25, I never gave a thought to, oh, I got another day. At 65, I get up every day and go, thank you, Lord, I got another day. But I go like, why didn't I appreciate this when I was much younger? Well, us older folks, we can say, yeah, I, I get it. But what are you not appreciating that God gives you every day now that you need to? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. The King James says he'll make your paths straight. Wouldn't it be great? We're going to Florida. I, I know Janet said we're flying out of here, but we're driving. And one of the greatest inventions is Waze or Google Maps. Like, I used to go to Florida and at least once a trip, Diane would go, we're going north. 
you know, uh, by the way, if you don't know Florida South, at some point, and, and like, and now I've got ways. The ways goes, Ron, you, you missed a turn. You missed a turn. You missed a turn. Turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. Okay. That's what God will do for you. He will direct your paths, not automatically, when you trust him with all your heart, you lean not on your own, lean not on your own understanding. When you acknowledge him in everything, he will go, Stefan, there you go. There's your path. There you go. It's not just a nice little scripture that people like to put on a gravesite or they put on a, a little plaque that sits in the bathroom that after the first year they don't even think of again. So what part of your life are you still holding on to? What's your 3%? You got tucked away over here. Why can't you trust him? That's number two. Number three, we've not accepted Jesus' work on the cross for your forgiveness. You see, God has forgiven you. Yeah, but my sin's too big. My, 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 my mess up is too big. You, you just don't understand. You don't understand. Ron, you, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, Pastor Don, Pastor John, nobody understands. It's bigger than all of that. I got news for you. You're not that important. You're not that big. No sin is too big to be forgiven, and certainly not your sin. First John 1 John 1.9, we say it all the time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins, and I love this next part. In this 12 steps, we say purify, but I like to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I used to watch this show called Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh, come on, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Y'all need to repent. If you've watched Dr. Pimple Popper, she, she's a, she's a, a dermatologist that started on a YouTube channel, then she got a show on the TLC network. And people would come to her with rather large pimples. And, <laughs> and it, it's, it's funny because we are making fun of it, and, and I like that. But people would cry because what she did was life-changing for, for them. They would have a big goiter on their neck. Or they would have a, I forget the name of it now, because none of this is written down. It's all just coming out at the moment. That's it, a lipoma? Thank you. You watch it. You watch the, yeah. So a, a big lipoma on a guy's back. He hasn't, laid, hasn't slept on his back in 10 years. He's got this ball. And she gets there, and she cuts it, and then when she presses she cleanses, I know, eh? She cleanses, she cleanses that pore of all of that. Oh, and it's, and, and the, sometimes she goes, oh, oh, the smell, the smell. Y'all get up something good to eat later tonight, though. Don't worry. It's the smell. But you see, that's, that's an absurd extreme. But God will do that with your sin. You will have a sin so big on your back that you haven't slept for 10 years. And when you say, God, I'm done running. I'm done pretending. I'm done faking it. Then he goes, okay, let's do this. And out it comes. And you've been cleansed. But you see, a lot of us won't do it. We won't go see the, the, the pimple popper because we're, we're too proud. And that's what it is. I introduce myself. I suffer from pride. I can do it. Whatever it is, I can do it. I can do it myself. I'm a guy. I'm successful. I know how to do these things. 
Ephesians 1.7 in the Living Bible says, so overflowing, overflowing, picture over, so overflowing is his kindness towards us that he took away all our sins through the blood of the Son by whom we were saved. You see, it wasn't, it's free to us, but it wasn't free. God sent his son to the cross to die for us that we could have our sins cleansed and removed from our body. And it's overflowing the kindness God has shown to us. And what do we show him in return? Often we don't show him kindness back. We show him, we don't, I don't trust you. I got my 3% tucked away here. Oh yeah, my wife thinks I'm doing great. My children think I'm doing great. My, my, my business associates, my pastors think I'm doing great. But I got it hidden right here. He can't do that. This is where we get stuck in, in recovery. The real question is that I have for you is why can't you forgive yourself? If God, the creator of the universe, tonight, Diane and I, just before I came here, we always read scripture after dinner. And uh, tonight we're reading, we're in Genesis, the early part of Genesis, and, and God is judging the world. And he took, he took Noah and, and his wife and the three sons and the three daughters and all the dirty animals and put them in the ark. And he wiped everybody out, and he restored everybody. And he said, okay, we're starting again. So he's forgiven all that sin. This is before the cross, and he started afresh. Why can't you start afresh? Why are you hanging on to your own guilt? You've forgiven everybody else in your life, but you haven't forgiven yourself. To me, that is counterintuitive. Usually we want to forgive ourselves. We want to make excuses for ourselves. We want to say, oh, no, that wasn't that bad. You guys who are still struggling, you're not, you're not papering over your sin, and, and God bless you for it. You're saying, I got it, I have it bad, but you're going too far, and you're saying it'll never be done, and I'll never, I'll never be able to pay this off. You don't have to. God has. You just have to accept it. This is what God wants you to do with the darkness of your past. He wrote this through the prophet Isaiah two, three thousand years, three thousand years ago. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, what color is scarlet? Red, blood red. Though your sins are like blood red, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are crimson, they shall be like wool. He can do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Have you ever tried to change a spouse, a child, a work. <laughs> you can't, right? Whenever I marry a couple, I always do the pre-marriage, and I'm like, what you're signing up for is what you're going to get. Don't, and, and, and I'm not, I, I don't think one gender does it more than the other, but there tends to be, oh, when we, once, we get, once we get married, then I'll make that person change. Then the <laughs> if, if when they're on their best behavior, courting you and trying to get you to the altar, that's their best behavior, it doesn't get better after that. And remember this. Jesus said this, in, or Paul said this in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation. So if you're sitting there feeling condemned, you're calling God a liar. Number four. You have not forgiven others who have harmed you. You've got to let go of that past harm and abuse. Until you're able to release it and forgive it, it'll continue to hold you prisoner. You think you're holding him or her prisoner. They've forgotten about you. 
They don't even think about it. You're up nights and weekends, and you're going through, and, oh, if I only had it done this, I had it done that. And they're like, <laughs> they don't even think. You are a prisoner of your own design because you haven't forgiven yourself. Come, you got to forgive yourself. That forgiveness, that's the power that breaks the chains of the bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. God's word, man, it's loaded with promises. Another of the great apostles writes in his letter, 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. He says, after you have suffered a little while, see, you will suffer. You will suffer. We make mistakes and we, we pay the price. We suffer. If you fall and break your arm, doing this is a ridiculous example, but one of the first ones I ever heard when I was a Christian. Peeping Tom in the window. He's looking in the window, trying to watch a, a lady get changed. Falls out of the tree and breaks his arm. He asks God for forgiveness for the terrible thing that he was doing. God goes, okay, you're forgiven. Does his arm automatically be not broken? No. You see, there's a consequence to what we do. God can forgive us, and our standing will be in, in his eyes righteous, but we still got to deal with the here and the now. So he says, after you have suffered a little while, our God, who was full of kindness, there's that word again, God is very kind. Too many people think of God as that heavy-handed guy that just wants to crush you. Those are the people that don't know God. After you've suffered a little while, our God, who was full of kindness through Christ, will give you eternal, that means forever, glory. He personally will pick you up and set you firmly in place and make you stronger than ever. Stronger than ever. You see, there's a number of different wills at play here. There's God's will for your life. Did you know that the devil has a will for your life? And you know you have a will for your life, and they're kind of all working together, and sometimes it's like, it's like watching football. Sometimes there's a broken play, and one of the teammate runs into the other teammate because they didn't fall, because there's lots of moving parts. God's will for your life. The devil has a will for your life. You have a will for your life. By the way, the devil's will for your life is never good. I, I know I don't have to tell you that, but never good. What he's saying is, Matthew, I can trip you up. That's what I can do. I can do that. Elaine, I can trip you up. I, I know what your weak point is, Elaine. I'm going to come after you. That's what he's doing. God's saying, follow me. I'll get you there. After I've, you've suffered a little while, we're going we're gonna to get through this. I'm going to pour out my kindness. I'm going to make you stronger than you ever were. Remember, the harm that others did to you was of their free will. It wasn't God's will for you. Number five, we're moving quick, right? You hear? Hello? You are afraid of the risk of making necessary changes. This is some of you going, okay, this is my number. It may, be fate, it, may, it may be fair to say that some people here tonight put off or procrastinate as long as they can. And there's a number of reasons for that. One of them is you're paralyzed by the fear of failure. You see, it, you're, you're not comfortable where you are, but you're, you feel you're more comfortable than if you move. And if I move, I, I'm risking something, and I'm risk-averse, so I don't want to make a change at all. Who remembers Steve Jobs? Yeah, ha, ha. Duh. Did he go to school with you, Rod, or something? No. Steve Jobs, the Apple guy, right? He got fired by Apple before he got rehired and became the Steve Jobs who invented the iPhone and the iPad and the iPod and the everything else. Did you guys know that? He got fired. He started Apple with Steve Wozniak. 
And they grew the business, grew the business, grew the business. They had to bring in somebody. They took a risk. They brought in the guy who used to run Pepsi, and he, he almost immediately fired Steve Jobs. So you'd sit there and you'd go, well, that was stupid. That was horrible. He should never have made that move. I would never make a move like that. In fact, I'm never going to make a move in my life now. But you got to let time go by to see that Steve Jobs goes off and starts a company called Next, who then gets bought by, who's the Toy Story people? Um, Pixar. He has Pixar, and then Apple says, we need you back. He comes back, and he just rocks the world. And, and I, for one, am grateful that he did this. I, I love my eye stuff. But you have to fail. You have to fail sometimes in order to get to do to get where you want to go and this is where your faith and trust in christ comes into play you don't trust christ right trust in the lord with all your heart and the way it shows up that you don't is you don't make the move you need to move you don't move out of the house with those people that are leading you the wrong way you don't you don't say no to entering into a relationship with someone that's going to take you the wrong direction you don't leave your job i know a guy at the church that i attend in bradford and he's working for a really big high-tech company. He's making good money. And he said to me, I'm going to take a lesser-paying job to have more time with my children. And I said, God bless you. Like, that is fantastic. Like, at the grand scheme of things, in 25, 30 years from now, you're not going to care about your money. You're not. You're really not. But your kids, you're going to have missed so much. This is why we have to make sure that we trust God. Maybe you fear intimacy because of fear of rejection or being hurt again. You're fragile, so you try to do it alone. Trust yourself. God, the Bible tells us God created you unique. He formed you in your mother's womb. He gave you all the details of your face and your hands and your way you think and the sound of your voice. If he can do all that, I think you can trust him that who you are is okay. Don't be hiding behind. If people knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. If that's the case, you're not supposed to be with those people. There's people that will just embrace you for who you are. See, a lot of you think, my life is a mess, my relationships are a mess, my finances are a mess, my spiritual life is a mess, but at least I know what to expect. And that's so crazy, because people change jobs, mates, friends, but they never think of changing themselves. Keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting... What you're getting. you got to make a change. What does God's word tell us? Isaiah, again, the prophet Isaiah, this time in the 41st chapter. Fear not, for I am with you. Well, that's, that's really, truly, in my life these days, that's all I need to know. And I'm willing to trust him. I know we're not all there. Some are way down the road beyond me. But that's where I'm at. Do not be dismayed. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. The book of Hebrews says, we can say without any doubt or fear, the Lord is my helper and I am not afraid of anything that mere man can do to me. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? Monique, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Donna, we die, right? By the world's standards, the worst thing that can happen to us is we die. Oh, somebody died. Oh, well, if this is all there is, yeah, you're right. We should, we should mourn for them. But if we die in Christ, we gain. We go to be with him. So dying isn't the worst thing. So what are we worried about? We're worried about somebody making fun of us? Somebody laughing at us? Who cares? The God of creation who made you 
loves you. That's all you need. Number six, we're almost there. You're not willing to own your responsibility. Ownership, my friends, is the key. None of us is responsible for the things that have happened to us, but we are responsible for how we respond. We're not responsible for what's happened to us. We are responsible for how we respond. In the case of abuse, in no way, in no way is a victim ever at fault, but the victim is responsible for how they move forward. Kids are not responsible for being children of alcoholics, but they are responsible for their own actions and recovery. You need to take responsibility for your part in a broken relationship, a damaged friendship, a distant child, or a distant parent. Psalm 139, that great psalm, divides the, the book, the physical book of the Bible, right in the middle of Psalm 139. Examine me, O God. That's scary, isn't it? Examine me, O God. You see, it's not scary because he already knows you. But when you say, examine me, O God, you're saying, I'm, with it. I'm in it with you, God. I'm in it with you. Let's do this together, you and me. Come and examine me. O God, and know my mind, test me and discover. If there is any evil in me, and guide me in the everlasting way. Open yourself up to God. Don't open yourself up to any other person. Open yourself up to God fully, without any defense, without any uh, trying to explain. Just lay yourself in front of God. We will increase our ability, stability, and responsibility when we increase our accountability to God. We will. Number seven, almost done. Have you not developed an effective support team? That's one of the reasons we fail, too. We don't plan for emergencies. This church has a fire plan. If the fire bells go off, there's a plan. In my condo in Florida, there is, there is, there is a plan. An emergency happens, we know where to go. We know what to do. We know. People have end-of-life plans. When I get so old that I can't speak, I can't eat, here, here's what I want done. We buy insurance. Why do we buy insurance? In case something happens. Governments, they used to call it unemployment insurance. We call it empl employment insurance now. The government's there. If something happens that you don't expect, the government's going to be able to carry you through with some unemployment payment. Do you have a help? I'm falling back in my old way plan. I bet you. You haven't thought too much about it. If you don't have one, you need one. Yeah, I'm 12 years, Pastor Ron, without ever thinking about the father who denied me and everything else, but what about tomorrow? You need to have a plan that if tomorrow that pops up, you're ready to do something. Do you have a sponsor or an accountability partner? Do you have somebody's cell phone that you can call them or you can text them? Do you have phone numbers of anybody in your small group? The other thing... The other great way to plan not to fall back is to hang with the right people. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you that enough. Drop the cool kids. Hang out with the wise kids. Hang out with the godly kids. I love being 65 and calling my peers kids. It makes me feel good. Proverbs 13. Be, be with wise men and become wise. Be with evil men and become evil. I don't know where it is in the Bible, but it says um, bad company corrupts good morals. 
So you could have started off great, been raised great, and everything else, you go off to college or you go off to a job, and all of a sudden you're dealing with people in a whole realm you've never been in before, and you're doing stuff you didn't think you'd be doing and you don't even know. You need, you need to prevent that. Galatians 5.13, Dear brothers and sisters, you have been given freedom. Not freedom to go do wrong, but freedom to love and serve each other. Serve, serve, serve. Serving. I did a teaching within the last, within this summer on serving. I remember it because I kept driving home the importance of serving and I'll drive it home until I die. When you serve, you are, you are sending all the bad stuff away from you. You really are. The devil hates somebody serving. Because you're right in the sweet spot of where God wants you to be. Share each other's troubles, Galatians says, and their problems. Share them so to obey the Lord's command. We are called to serve. It causes us to grow. Two questions for you for group tonight. What causes me, you, you, when you're in group, what causes me to be stuck in recovery? And two, what will I change starting this week? I'm calling you, each one of you, and I almost know every single person and name in this room i'm calling you to make a decision this week to make a change that's going to prevent you from falling back and it's going to catapult you forward in your recovery now let's look at number two and number three again the next slide has number two and three you've not completely surrendered your will in your life to the lord and you've not accepted jesus work on the cross for your forgiveness worship team would you guys come up and get ready to lead us oh here we go here we go again I can't listen to this guy. He doesn't learn himself in an hour. One of the, uh, two of the, two of the steps that we mess up on, two of the steps that we mess up on. See, now here's the reality. I don't care what you think about me. I'm here doing God's work, and if I look like an idiot, that's on you. You really... If you don't surrender to God, you're going to fail. That's what I want to tell you. If you don't surrender to God, you're going to fail. God paid the price for us. And some of you have been in the church a very long time. Some of you haven't been in the church very long. Some of you aren't in the church. You have not given your life to Christ. But the thing we need to remember is that God redeemed us from hell and an eternity away from him by coming to earth and going to the cross. That's why the cross is so important to us. The whole Old Testament points to the cross. The whole New Testament points back to the cross. The cross is a single moment in time that everything changed. Yeah, but this is a pretty crappy world right now, Ron. Yeah, I, I know. And when he returns again, he says, he says in his word, he'll make everything right. But till then, we got to survive. One of the ways we survive is we remember what he's done. Say amen. 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 